it comes to growing a business as a busy mama, stress and anxiety can often creep in. Today, I've asked Dr. Lisa Hartwell to join us so that we can get to the bottom of what that looks like for mamas in particular, as well as strategies that we can use to prevent burnout going forward. I think this one's going to be a game changer, so grab a pen and paper, you'll likely want to take notes, and then let's jump in. Hey, and welcome to Mama Business, a workshop-style podcast that helps busy mamas like you navigate the highs and lows of managing a family and having a business dream too. I'm your host, Sarah Brumley. I'm a wife, mama to three, and a hobby blogger turned business growth specialist. It's my job every day to help mamas grow, scale, and thrive in the online business world without sacrificing their family lives. Each episode features real-life talk about home and business, coupled with actionable strategies you can implement immediately. No fluff necessary. So if you are ready to create a bigger impact at home and in business, you are in the right place. This is Mama Business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Mama Business Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Brumley, and I am super excited to have Dr. Lisa Hartwell joining me to talk about stress, high-functioning, and clinical anxiety, and how that can affect us as we try to grow our businesses and take care of our families at the same time. Dr. Lisa Hartwell teaches high-achieving professionals how to use anxiety as their ally so that personal development can be accomplished with ease and grace. She has a very diverse experience, as we're probably going to hear about here in this episode, with a successful career as a trauma flight nurse, clinical and forensic psychologist, entrepreneur, community service provider, and mentor. She is a published author of Bad Apples, How to Feel Good Even When Rotten Things Happen, and she's a sought-after speaker and workshop facilitator for multiple professional national and international conferences and retreats. Dr. Hartwell enjoys a full and fun life in Hawaii, where she lives with her husband and teenage son. So without further ado, let's jump into it with Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Hey, Dr. Hartwell, thanks for joining me today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited that you are here. And I know that my listeners just got a chance to hear a bit about you, but I'd love if you could chat just a bit about how you got started with your business as it sits today. Yeah. Oh boy, that is such a journey, right? And we only have a half an hour. (laughs) I'll give you the cliff notes. So um, I moved to Hawaii, gosh, I think I'm going on 36, 37 years ago. I graduated from nursing school from in Alaska, but I was essentially raised in Oregon uh, with a couple uh, stents and other places when my mom remarried, but um, ended up in Hawaii, started as a nurse and found my love in ER nursing, which took me to flight nursing, which uh, essentially means uh, transporting patients between islands over here. And then we did a lot of international or mainland flights. And uh, from there, I attended a conference one day, uh, one weekend, I think it was, on forensic nursing. And I was curious about what that was about because I was always very interested in the law and the law interface between medicine and uh, what happens when uh, crime happens, essentially, in the medical and how it shows up in the medical setting, which is very frequent in the emergency rooms, of course. So that led me to an interest in forensic psychology when I went out and got my certificate in that. And uh, the rest is history. I kind of kept going, went back to grad school, 
I decided to go ahead and get my degree in clinical psychology as opposed to law school. I figured that was going to be a better transition for me and an integration of everything. And my idea was I wanted to learn a little bit more about turning off the faucet of crime. I was so used to working with victims for so many years that I was so interested in what creates the criminal mind and what is behind all the crime as opposed to taking care of the victims as well even though I've always had a, a part of that in my practice and uh, finished up grad school and specialized in both uh, clinical health and forensic psychology and uh, came back home after doing my residency in Wisconsin because it was too cold there for me. <laughs> I had to come back home and uh, opened up my practice and worked for the government and budget contract work and such. And I've my business has evolved through the years to expand beyond clinical anxiety. And I wanted to shift more into what causes it. So um, one of the things I always like to do is to get in front of the eight ball with behavior, because that's really what my specialty is. That led me to what is this notion of people that keep showing up in my practice, basically professionals and business owners and entrepreneurs who have anxiety, but they don't really meet the criteria for clinical anxiety. And that's what led me to kind of go down a rabbit hole of researching that a bit more and discovering that there's this whole catchment of us, and I include myself in this, that sort of have this thing that that shows up in untimely moments when we least expect it in our personal lives as mothers and, of course, in, in our businesses that looks like clinical anxiety, but it's really not. And so I've really taken my business in that direction of really helping people because most people don't want to come in and get therapy, when, especially clinical anxiety. And, you know, I was thinking, well, but the people, we all still need support. And so how can I support that? And so that's how my business has evolved into offering workshops and speaking and retreats and more personal development realm and professional development. And that's kind of the long and short of how I got here. But as you can see, it's been just this interesting evolution of, oh, I think I'm going to try this. Oh, I'm interested in this. Let me shift. And that's pretty much my personality. And, you know, just all everything's always an evolution. So that's how I got here. That's the life of an entrepreneur, right? Like we yeah, always it really is. You just have to accept it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, I thought it was really interesting. So you spent a lot of time you went to nursing school. Were you in Anchorage, Alaska? I was. Yeah, that's where I grew up. So I spent seven. No, oh, I just got chicken skin. No way. So very interesting. I wow. thought that was really neat at the beginning there, but yeah, yeah. Well, man, your journey to getting to where you are now is just incredible. And I am yeah. so excited for the work that you're currently doing because I definitely think it's necessary um, for entrepreneurs, especially. But in my case, I speak mostly to moms that are um, entrepreneurs. And so just the anxiety and all of the overwhelm that comes with that and navigating yeah. the pieces. I think um, that's going to be a real um, game changer for people to yeah. hear and hear what you have to say on this. And yeah. anyways, so um, I know we could chat a lot more about where you've been and what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and jump in and have you, I mean, you talked a little bit about anxiety and clinical anxiety, but I'd love to know what is the difference between somebody who says is, you know, for example, is dealing with stress um, versus somebody who has high functioning anxiety or clinical anxiety? What would you, um, you know, how would you 
clarify that for us? Define that. Yeah. What I usually talk about uh, my whole approach to working with my clients and folks is teaching about everything's on a continuum and everything essentially is on a developmental trajectory. And that's really what Bad Apples, my book is about as well. And with this pieces of looking at what is the continuum where, and you can't, the folks that are listening can't see my hands, but I'm sort of pointing to the left, which is where stress would be. And then as you're moving on the continuum, you're moving into high functioning anxiety, clinical anxiety, and then finally burnout when you just can't do it anymore. And the difference as the, is very subtle for most people to where all of a sudden you end up in burnout. It feels like you go from stress to burnout, but you're not. You're essentially taking the steps to get there through high-functioning anxiety and then clinical anxiety. And that's where the nuances are. The stress pieces is just a natural human ability to weather the day, weather the storm. Like I was just talking to you right before we started, we were having this major storm over here right now. So it's just, we know it's going to pass and we just know that we have to hunker down and whatever the pieces are to function through the storm, right? But then when we start moving into high functioning anxiety is what you notice is there's little nuances of things that are happening in your life, whether it be in business or at home with your kids, uh, with a coworkers or with the boss or with yourself, that all of a sudden you start to feel the, the sort of physical manifestations of anxiety, which is you can't sleep all of a sudden like you used to or Maybe your tummy gets a little bit more sore when you have to have a project that's due or something that you're working on, or maybe a a confrontation that you need to talk to somebody. You start noticing these things in your body. And then, of course, your mind takes on a life of its own, which you start worrying about it more than you usually do. You start feeling more overwhelmed. You can't focus. Now that if people would say, well, isn't that clinical anxiety? Well, no, because clinical anxiety tends to show up across the board. Whereas high-functioning anxiety, number one, is within yourself. Nobody would even know that you have it. You look like a cool cucumber. You you look like you're amazing at what you do and you are. You just push through it. But internally, you feel like a hot mess. Mm-hmm. But that hot mess piece of us tends to go away when the stressor or the event is over. So in other words, when you have a project coming up and you're just like, oh, I'm never going to get through this can't think straight. I I need to shut out the world so I can get through this. And then once it is, then you just go back to being back to baseline for yourself. Whereas clinical anxiety kind of takes on a life of its own. And I won't get into the brain nerd part of everything today, but that's because those neuron pathways are established and it's really hard to turn them off. And that's what therapy is about, is really teaching people how to create a different neuron pathway that you can actually turn off when you need to. Because if you don't, that's how you end up burned out. Because at some point, your mind and your body, it can't do it anymore. It taps out. It says, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I need to go back to basic survival mode. And I need you to, to be done. So therefore, I'm going to shut your systems down. So that's when you get sick. That's when you probably have some more medical problems than you like. That means when you're having more arguments than you would like. That means when you just you wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't even want to go to work. I am not interested in people anymore, <laughs> which is for those of us that are extroverts or even ambiverts, right? 
that's a hard thing when all of a sudden you don't want to be around people. That feels like a very incongruent thing for us. So that's where you can see how these nuances of things that start showing up for you differently. But it really is that continuum and how it kind of evolves into, like I said, from stress, high functioning anxiety, clinical anxiety, and then to burnout. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I love that you made this. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because I think that we think that we just go from stressed to burnout, like you said, but we don't We have Mm -hmm. to follow this whole process. And then we're choosing in the middle of it, maybe not to get help or not to get that support that we need. And so then we do land in that burnout spot. That's Um, right. I love the clarity around that for sure. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're seeing or what you think right now in our current society. I mean, I know we're going to jump into a little bit more of some of the things that the, um, the strategies people can use and the ways that people can get the help. But at the same time, like, what are you seeing right now with the current state of our society? Um, just due to all the stress, like the out that there's been mm-hmm. stressors coming in from the exterior, I feel like over the last couple of years. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. It's, it's such an, it, first of all, I think it's different for everyone. I, I think, um, you know, the big C word, the big COVID word of the last couple of years has affected um, everyone differently. Uh, As opposed to everyone reacting to it the same. Some of us, our lives didn't change much. Some of us, we had to march through it and still see people Mm -hmm. and still work and still function. Some of us don't have kids. So there's people out there that don't have kids that didn't have to manage the whole academic system that fell apart during COVID. Um, But then there were some academic systems that didn't fall apart. They marched through and created systems to address, uh, to help the kids during COVID. So everyone's experience was very different. So I'm seeing now what has popped out is if you had this propensity before, COVID just amplified it. Mm -hmm. So if you had the propensity to have any type of clinical anxiety before or even high functioning anxiety, boy, did you get tested. And boy, did you get pushed to your uh, up against the wall in comparison of anything because it would always hit every single system. It hit financial, it hits, you know, uh, housing stability, it, it hit um, health stability. It, um, so many of us lost, I think we lost a total of eight people during COVID as far as deaths go. So there was a lot of, and not necessarily just COVID, but just, it just amplified it more than would be normal that you'd be able to cope with it. And I would say that's the biggest thing that I've seen is what if you had the propensity to always be a resilient person and really be able to put your armor on and muster through and get through it, which is a little bit more of that high functioning anxiety slash stress. So, which I believe, I think that's kind of how I think about myself, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of put your head down and you just sort of get through it and you come up with systems to manage something that you've never experienced before. Right. And there is a catchment of people that can do that. But that's what I'm seeing is almost these two different camps. If you had something before, it amplified it. And if you had something before, such as a healthy resilience to things, it got amplified to the nth degree. <laughs> sure. I think that's a great perspective. And I think this is something that people are, we're talking a lot more about it right now, this anxiety, the stress, those types of things. And so um, I think it's just interesting to hear what you have to say on that, you know, as we look yeah. at society as a whole right now. I think it's really neat that, you know, that is the case. I mean, I can see that my own family, uh, just, you know, those of us who were resilient and willing to just kind of roll with the punches did that. And those that didn't, uh, are very frustrated and very stressed and very, uh, you know, on the clinical anxiety burnout end of things. Yeah. 
Well, it was interesting here in the islands because, you know, Hawaii, our tourism is our number one industry. And it it literally has never shut down like it did. And it was such a interesting thing to watch and to be able to walk on the beach when we were allowed because there were times when it was shut down completely. But to be able to walk on the beach and see the water as clear as bath water from as far as the eye can see, in 36 years, I'd never seen that at certain types of that. There are certain types parts of the island that you can go see that, but not in Waikiki, mm-hmm. not in Honolulu, not without. And it's because the ocean had a chance to heal as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was just this time to kind of for everyone to step back and, and allow this, this, whatever this was that came to town to mm-hmm. shut everybody down. It gave everybody some respite. If you allowed it to, and to be able to embrace the healing that happened during COVID as well. Now it was, I I think it was, if you looked at it that way versus where your anxiety would kick in is, oh my God, it's never going to return back to normal because it felt that way. It to have everything shut down, everything shut down. Waikiki was boarded up. Mm. It, It was incredible. It was an incredible thing to see. And, uh, it, it, but yet on the flip side, it was like, oh, look, the earth is trying to heal. <laughs> Isn't that special? Humans are trying to take a step back and heal. And so we we had some pretty special times as a family just to be able to go and not be around other people for a little while it was such an interesting experience, I think. Yeah, we had some really interesting times as a family too. So I definitely think that that was, yeah, you're right. When you take it, when you take it from that perspective, it means, yeah it's a whole different thing and it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, my next question for you is you talk about a hooey. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> you talk about a hooey. Um, yeah. Can you explain what it is and why every mama needs one? Yeah. Hooey is here is, is, is a term that we use uh, when we hooey together, we get together, we come together as community, we come together to collaborate and essentially to lift each other up and to hold each other. And really with knowing that you have a place at the table or a place in the cir- circle and in our case, a sister circle, but yet you're there for the other person 100%. And that's a, a, something that I think is so important that once you go into business, especially, and especially as a mother, you forget that you're not alone. And it sometimes it feels like you are, especially with the online space that so many people are in. Because you're behind your computer and, you know, maybe you're in a few face groups here and there, but you maybe you're a lurker in the background. You don't really participate in conversation. It gets quite lonely. Mm -hmm. And then you're if you have any inkling of high functioning anxiety or clinical anxiety, your brain's going to start making up stuff, (laughs) which is I'm not good enough at what I do or the not enoughness thing. I'm a terrible mother because here I am trying to start this business and I'm not even spending time with my kids when. It's just like this circular thing that takes on a life of its own. Whereas if you have a hui, if you have a sister circle to to and a and a brotherhood to lift you up, to be able to say, you know what, you got this. But if you don't got this, maybe I know someone or I can be the one that can help you get there. Mm-hmm. And I think there there's so many introverts out there that that would be they'd rather die than reach out <laughs> and, and be with other people. And they're they're the ones that need some extra love and support and and reach out. 
we have certain, obviously we're pretty multicultural here, as you know, but uh, I mean, Alaska was too, for that matter, but you know, is that there are certain cultures that it's not um, polite or it's not a part of who they are to reach out or to even speak up in a group. So maybe they show up to a sister circle, but they're quiet. So it's more about in- invitation, about inviting them to speak. And then, of course, they really have something to say. And most of the times it's fabulous, right? So I think that would be something to look at is when you're inviting people into that circle, make making sure that you're honoring the diversity that shows up. And that is really kind of the crux of what I mean by that as far as the having a hui that you can lean on. Absolutely. This is so important. And I talk about this in all the time about the importance of having a group that you're accountable to, even just a single person that you're accountable to, but having that's right. So you don't feel alone. And I'm an introvert, but I know I need that support even so like I can go recover by myself, but I absolutely (laughs) support other people to get me out of my head. Yeah. Second guessing myself at times. And so alone in that, my question for you is um, if, you know, if a mama doesn't have that or doesn't really Mm. know, go to get that, what do you suggest? Where do you suggest they start finding that? Yeah. My gosh, that's such a great question. I, I mean, because I see a lot of moms in my practice. And then of course I see um, uh, with the anxiety of, of course, but I think it's so interesting that I have asked them and challenged them and put it as part of their behavioral plan and treatment plan to be able to say, oh, we're going to get you some po- some support. Let's see what that looks like for you. And so then individually, it might look like, well, what's your interest? How about we just start there? It doesn't have to be necessarily, will you be my friend? Like, is there a, is there a dating app where you can, will you be my friend? <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, really hard. I think when you're in your own world, it's hard to reach out your own family circle and your own obligation circle to, to, have, to reach out and get support. So I always say, start with what your interests are. So if your interests are business, your interest is exercise, maybe it's art, um, maybe it's pets, maybe you have a, we have um, a one-year-old 90-pound puppy right now. So boy, he makes you get out and meet, meet people when you walk, right? So all of a sudden your social circle has expanded because there's other dog people out there, right? And and so I have one client who loves art and she went out and joined a painting group. And so they paint together once a week, which I thought, oh, what a fabulous. And she's extreme introvert. But boy, it's just so wonderful to see what happens when people reach out. They just, it lifts up their self-esteem and, you know, puts themselves out there without being judgy because everybody's there for the same purpose. So especially for the on- online moms out there, or that especially they have business, there are so many wonderful support groups and, you know, Facebook or Slack or any other group that you can imagine, there's just so many, I would say, start there. And then, you know, humans are humans. So if you don't vibe, it's okay to move on. It's okay to find somebody that you do vibe with. And I would, that would be the thing I would say is, is, uh, you know, start with your interests, start with where, where that, where that feels the most comfortable, but number one, expecting to show up to contribute. Yeah. I agree. I think that that's so important. I love the idea of the interests. I typically reach out to people. I love to exercise or walk and be outside. And so typically tend to find people through that. Yeah. 
conversation and do something that you know you like at the same time. Takes that a little bit, I think, of making it a high pressure situation when you're doing something you like and then also getting to have a conversation or Yeah, I think it's it's more organic. You know, you can go from talking about exercise and oh, by the way, you're a mom. Oh, by the way, you have a business. Oh, what's your business? Right. I I think it's just a, a more organic way to get end up with support. Um, that that's a little bit different, I think, than having a targeted hui or or community that you're pulling upon for the same purpose. But I think you can you can have both. I think it's important to have both and kind of get started somewhere where maybe that yeah is. yeah. I think that sometimes those groups grow into then that more close knit hui. That's that's right. Mm-hmm. So um. What is, in your opinion, what do you think is the most effective strategy to grow your business when you have kids and going back then to having maybe that high functioning anxiety? Mm. Yeah, boy, that's a great question. Um, I think the biggest thing I would say is beyond the support piece is to come up with, I call it an anxiety ease plan. So (laughs) you're really looking at, let me learn about myself. Let me do an assessment on myself of where this is coming up so I can make that my targeted area to focus on. So, for instance, maybe you find that you're getting overwhelmed and anxious and worrying and maybe a little bit more snappy than you'd like to be during transitions. Transitions with getting up in the morning, transitions with, and we're on vacation right now, so it's glorious, but (laughs) getting out the door, um, dealing with homework when the transition comes back home, right? And and the transition of maybe in your business, you have, we call it decision fatigue, where you got five things that you're switching between throughout the day. And you're just, your brain can't do that very well. Um, and then transition to the evening routine and then going to bed and then you get up and do it all over again. So I would say that is an example Come up with your anxiety ease plan that you're going to mindfully decide how to show up during those times. Number one, having a plan. Number two, being organized and structured, especially with kids. The backpack gets done the night before. The backpack gets hung up and ready to go out in the morning. That kind of thing, right? That most, I think, parents are doing. But honestly, putting that onus on the kids, even when they're in preschool, they can do that stuff. (laughs) So. Um, we, we still struggle with our tweenager, believe me, he's 12, but 12 and a half, but it's still a work in progress, but that's okay because their brains are still growing too, right? Yeah. But that would be an example. And then I would say one of the bigger things that I have learned to do to keep my balance is batching. Batching has saved my life. Um, batching my administrative part of my business, which would be, you know, the billing side, the money side, the financial side batching my calls to clients, batching my times with clients, my actual sessions. And then with me starting my podcast, of course, this year too, it's been batching the recordings. It's really saved my anxiety about production. Yeah, that's been a huge, batching has been huge for me over the course of the entire life of my business. If I'm on I know I have, I struggle with transitions. So, I mean, just keeping it all the same means that I don't have to make a a million transitions throughout even just my business day. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. The more choices you have to make in the moment, we call it in vivo in the moment, the more your anxiety is going to get triggered. Mm -hmm. So you want to take away some of the choices through structure. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
That's great. So just structuring that, making sure that you have that plan in place. Such a makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Strategy. How would you say that this is different for moms specifically running businesses? I'm just curious about what you would think about that. Well, I think the the differentiating factor is um, the overlay of being a mom in addition to having a business is something that is sometimes thought of as different than being a dad and having a business. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's because of us moms have a different layer of guilt that dads don't necessarily carry. And I, you know, I, I see that not only in my practice, but then also with my own husband too. I think, you know, as much as he uh, enjoys his work and and he has a, a side business and stuff. And um, I don't think he necessarily has guilt like moms do about, oh, you know, I want to make sure I set aside time to spend with my kid and, um, and really be present without thinking about my business or thinking about what I didn't do today. And, and it's sometimes that's much more difficult for women for some reason. Yeah. And that might just be the, the tribe part of us that we're used to taking care of the tribe. But, um, that would be the only thing I can think of that's unique, unique to uh, moms in business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think that, that there's a lot of merit to what you're saying there because I mm-hmm. see that too in my own home, right? Like I see, I yeah. hear moms talking about that. They talk a lot about, or moms in general, me included, yeah. you know, talk a lot about how do we run our businesses and not neglect our kids or, you know, not sacrifice our families, that kind of thing. But I never hear my husband say that about going to work. He goes to work and that's providing for his family. He's not sacrificing his family in order to go to work. He's providing for his family. Exactly. (laughs) We miss that we're providing for our families too, when we're bringing in an income. Yes. Yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? I think it's such a interesting mindset shift to get over and work through in your own development, personal development as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I am so excited that we've had this opportunity to chat. And as we yeah. kind of wrap up, I'd love to be able to give the mama business listeners just something that they can take action on immediately. So if you had one thing that you'd recommend based on what we chatted about today, what would that be? Um, well, if you want, like one thing that's really helpful is to find out where you're on this continuum. And I have a, a high functioning anxiety quiz or an assessment that you could take on my website. So that would be one where place to start. I always like to start with assessment. Mm-hmm. And I think when we find out where we're at, then we know where to go. We know where to best target our next best next steps. And the very next steps. And one way to do that is through an assessment. So I created this assessment earlier this year as a means for people to do just a quick assessment and find out where they're at on that continuum that we talked about. And then from there, we can have a chat if you want about how to come up with your plan. How do we address this thing? Love it. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a great place to start. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes so that people have the ability to go see that assessment. And then I'd love to have you just tell everybody, you know, aside from that assessment, where can they find you? Tell us a little bit about your podcast and um, what you're doing there just a little bit so we can. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So my website is my name. So it's easy. DrLisaHartwell.com. So that's easy. Everything is there for you. Um, and then my podcast is actually on my website as well, even though I have the the um, links for any place that you listen to your podcast. 
And I created a podcast this year called Anxiety Ease, which is high-functioning solutions for professionals, high-functioning anxiety uh, solutions for professionals. And what I wanted to do was kind of this combination of obviously education around the topic, but then also solutions through hope, clarity, and ease. And I really wanted to, I listened to so many to get an idea of what's out there and what's not out there. And I wanted to make sure I want to focus on, you know what, we can get through this together, but we have to know that we're in it together. And I found that I think people feel very alone when it comes to, especially high functioning anxiety. And they don't, they, there's tips and tricks. You can do Mr. Google all day, but at some point the tips and tricks don't, they stop working. They might work for half an hour or something, but then they tend to stop working. So that's really what my podcast is about. And I'm really excited and um, starting out with that this year and see where we go with it. And it's fantastic. So definitely recommending to anybody listening now, if you um, are struggling with anxiety, stress, any of those types of things, go check out um, Anxiety Ease. It's an awesome podcast. Yeah. Thank sure. you. Thank you yeah, very much. Absolutely. So thank you so much for being here today. I really yes. appreciate it. It's been so much fun to have this chat with you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. Thank you. Aloha, everyone. Alrighty, Mama. I'd love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode with Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Wasn't she amazing? I know I learned so much. Anyways, I'd love to have you just DM me on Instagram and let me know. Either way, know that I am cheering you on as you continue your mama business journey. And I look forward to chatting with you again next time. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mama Business. If you liked the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It might seem like a little thing, but it makes a huge difference. And if you have any questions, want to request a podcast topic, or just want to connect, you can find me over on Instagram at Sarah L. Brumley. Remember, it is possible to have your family and your business dream too, as long as you know what to do and when to do it. This is Mama Business.